Before diving into today's episode, did you know that this podcast has a supporters club? By becoming a member, you not only gain access to exclusive content, but also play a crucial role in supporting your favorite podcast. See the link in the episode description to find out more. Now, let's get back to the episode. What, man, what a day. A day of unbelievable and unspeakable torment. You know, to arise to the occasion, to do what must be done, every waking moment, pry yourself out of your mattress and trying to get to the way of earning your keep in this otherwise bloodthirsty, selfish, tiresome piece of crap world we live in. Nothing but death, darkness, and woe, it seems. But then, after a while, you get tired of all that crap. And you start saying, hey, you know what? I live in an adventure that's entirely of my volition. I don't need this kind of crap to go around and make fun of anything else or to go ahead and muck up what I have coming my way. Ten years from now, it'll be a whole different story. But as of right now, and the youth, and the prime... And the fighting forward and doing new things, it's always a new adventure. It's always a new goal. And you see, every day should be a way of changing and opening and growing as a person instead of being repressed, broken, and tiresome. But, I'm getting ahead of myself. Other than that, though, welcome to the J-Man Show here on K360 Radio. And that being said, y'all, did the theme song actually work? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Hey, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is J-Man, just sitting back chilling. Actually, it's good that I was here. The day wasn't so bad. It was kind of tough, though, because, see, I don't know what it is, but sometimes when I write my stories, I get inspiration from the real world, like any other writer does, but... Today was weird because I felt like I was actually in one of my adventures that I write. Because today I had this ugly golem-like creature trying to tell me how to do what I need to do with my day job. And man, if I just didn't give that guy a piece of my mind and told him to leave me the hell alone as I do what I must. Because you see, while working at a mundane job like that, you see, that that's me trying to put food on the table and get where I need to be. Also be a provider in such ways to help anyone out that might need my help. And I mentioned to grow my brand and get where I need to be. The sad part about it is, is that this fool over here has never done my job, but going to try to tell me how to do my job. How does that work? What What is the Peter Principle anymore? What is this micromanaging monster that people try to construct? Because once you know, once you know that you pretty much have no pants on and you can't really say anything to anyone else because you're inept, doesn't that like say something now? 
is there something wrong with this society we live in? Oh, don't, don't answer that. Don't answer that. As a matter of fact, that's an easy one. The answer is yes. There is something very wrong with the society that we live in. It's very ignorant. It's very obtuse in the way it carries itself. And it tries to make it harder for anyone out here to try to make even a chance of a living. And God knows why that is. But every day I feel like, you know, a very guiled hero having to pull himself up, fighting through this world that doesn't really care about him, doesn't see him as an equal by any means, but has to carry on to do what must be done. Because apparently, I'm all I have. Like, yeah, I got friends, and I got true companions, and I got people that want to help out in the biz, and I got, you know, other people that are growing to how I do, how I function in this crazy world, but I always know, pretty much it's me in this whole thing. You know what I'm saying? And what's so sad about it all is, is that when you're the adult in the room, nobody cares, but when you say what you need to say, and you're being righteous about it, some people will start to stand up, and they'll start to, you know, understand where you're coming from, but when a time counts where you can stand up against any sort of tyranny, they fall apart. And it's so sad. It's like, wow, you really are the system, huh? You see what I'm saying? But it's not saying like when you go to work, it's not just work, man. It's like everyday life sometimes. Because like, say if you're still on the quest to build your brand or like get merchandise or make any sort of profitable income for yourself. I mean, chances are you're always going to have that one person in your friends group or in your family that has the nerve to want to say how hard it's going to be or how tedious other things are or that you don't have any security in mind. See, the thing about it is, is that all that kind of stuff comes. If you're aware of it and you're making time and you're setting up for it, see, that's something to arm yourself with. Especially, like, say, like, if you got your armor for what you hold dear and then you have your sword sharpened so you can fight for your dream every day and you have your shield ready so you can block away all that negative speech and then, you know, slowly but surely you're fighting the monster, but you don't want to be the monster yourself if it doesn't work out for you. And the thing about it is, if it doesn't work out, you don't put all your eggs in one basket anyway. You know? But if you are crazy like me, and you're trying to be an entrepreneur and just go through the whole adventure and crusade of entrepreneurship and try not to be world weary in the process, then you already know. You already knew the long-term costs of what you were going to do, right? Am I right? Is that the whole thing? You know what I'm saying? And you see, as I'm using these examples here, it's like this. We're all, in a way, connected to that story of... You know, we start off fresh and then all of a sudden the status that we had dies. And then we go through the struggles of trying to rebuild ourselves because after all, we're not going to get that lifestyle back. So who we meet and who we face, whether they're enemies, mentors and friends in the end or shapeshifters at best because they could be extra enemies depending on the circumstances and what we learn from, it helps shapes us as who we are. And who we will be. And hopefully as we get through our ordeals, which we have to, it's like climbing a mountain after a while. You know, we have our first few conflicts, but then we get to those ordeals that shape us. And hopefully we learn from so we don't have to go through painful procedure like that. You know, we become a better hero. We become a better crusader going through the troubling and trifling times of these days. Because right now the government looks like a lot of hell because of this Mueller report. It's just really, really stupid. You know, the guy 
got off from allegedly colluding with Russia, but there's been so many counts of obstruction of justice. And then you look at what came out and the redacting that happened. Hell, I would just like to see the original version of just so people stop talking, you know? And see, there's moments where I can be an anti-hero or I could just be a guiled hero. And it is what it is. And then there's moments where you can be bionic, Byronic hero. Not Bionic hero. That comes a little later, I guess. Maybe after I lose an arm and a leg, depending on what I buy next. At least for the profiting of this business. But um, what I'm saying is, is that those people that are at my day job or the people that are even in this business, they can't tell me too much about myself that I already know. I went through a lot. And I'm going to go through more. The thing is, I've learned a lot too. I'm not an idiot. You know what I'm saying? It's like, say, like, if you have this person all of a sudden shows up and tries to tell you about your job, you can't tell me a damn thing about it. It's just like, you know, running the J-Man show. It's like some people are out there now are looking for more and more advice on how to run a podcast. This is my whole thing. Sit down, write something up, and get started. Find whatever sort of mic you had. That's that's what I had. I had nobody helping me along the way. Now, sure, I had people in the J360 podverse. At least that's my perspective of the Potter and family that I'm a part of. You know, there were other people that were creating their shows, too, and I was sharing them. Then I started talking to them about entertainment, media, why certain movies didn't work out the way they are. You, you know what I'm saying? And then I slowly but surely became a part of the community and then I started sharing things, and then I recreated some of the shows that I make. You know, because J360 Radio got started in 2016, pretty much. J360 Production in general got started in 2006. But 2016 was the rise of the radio format for us. And, you know, like the JMS show started at, and then later on the Cyclone. And then, of course, you got some other shows I'd done with Al. And so on and so forth. There's going to be more shows coming anyway, where I'm teaming up with other people. Stay tuned for that. And then you got the mini bites, which are still in production. 10 to 15 at 10 to 15 minutes. I think I'm going to raise it up to 15 minutes because a lot of stuff happens that, you know, I really need to go into depth with a little bit. And you guys have waited long enough, so you need another episode of that. But what I'm saying is, it's like little things like this. I can always improve, yes. But it's all about taking what I learned, what I'm going to learn, and mix it all together to get to that next level. And that's kind of what the hero's journey is. Your status of your old life has to die so that your new life can begin. And you see, we also go through that nowadays with the change of tides and forms of our entertainment and everything. Like some people are still holding on to older genres and some people are still trying to say, well, you know, superhero films are killing movies. No, they're not. You know what I'm saying? It's still the same classic adventure. A lot of those characters start off as a certain way, but they change overall the story. You know what I'm saying? And then there's a big arc ahead of all this stuff across movies that you hope are going to actually validate the character, whether they succeed or whether they fail, because failure is a part of the learning process. So any of you out there are going through the motions or feeling as though you're an imposter or you have imposter syndrome, something awful. Yeah, you see, you're going on the adventure. That's what it's all about. I haven't made a short film in a while now. It's going to change. But you see, I found out what was wrong. I got a little too arrogant for myself. You know what I'm saying? And instead of just running around doing the promoting and everything else, 
you go back, you start writing more, you start thinking about the important things of why you're here. And you see the worst part of it all is for all of us out here would be social media to a point. The beast known as social media, because we all have to go ahead and try to outdo each other on that, right? Every single one of those platforms are guilty of this because they'll pull us away from what we need to do. Now, granted, it's easy to reach anybody using any of them, but you want to make sure like you got something that really grabs them. You know what I'm saying? Like really gets them by surprise. Be like, wow, I did not know he was working on this or I did not know she was a part of that. And you know what I'm saying? It's little things like that. And that's why you got to. No, like, distractions are a part of the quest, yes, but you got to know how to face the distractions, and you got to know how to move forward. And I apologize for that little sound effect. I get my mail through here. I'm using a whole different technique, by the way. Yeah, this is my second portable setup. And so far, I like it. I just hope that the theme song worked earlier today, but see, like, I also know that not every single one of my episodes, whether I do a double special or not, are going to be winners. But I know they're going to be good for their time. And it's all about me growing as a business professional. Especially a media professional. There's so many people out there that pop into this game and they think they can get immediate success. And some of them do. Some of them. Based off of attention in other ways. Or say like you got that TNA or you got that certain sex appeal that sells. Granted, yeah, you'll get in there, but whether you get respected or not is a whole different animal in itself. You'll get attention, don't get me wrong. But respect comes in so many other ways. And if anything, this fight that I do every week, every so often, oh yeah, it's totally about me growing. And you know what? At the end of the day, you might not like me based off of the content that I bring to you, but you will respect me for it. Eventually you will. And I'm talking to a lot of those people out there who pretty much try to write me off. Yeah, good luck with that. As long as the medium's going to be around, I'm going to be around in any sort of form. Ain't no need to quit. The only thing I can do is just move forward, and I'm not good at quitting at all. And as I go into it, though, the genre that it seems a lot of people try to turn their backs on to a point... A lot of people try to say there's no sword and sorcery films floating around, but then you take a look at Game of Thrones and you're like, but isn't that sword and sorcery? Well, you see, the small scale, the small scale is thriving. TV, streaming, all of that is thriving right now. But when you look at like major movies, you look at like the last, some of the last major movies dealing with the sword and sorcery genre like John Carter. John Carter, you know, honestly, was based off of antiquated novels and short stories and i think it might have had a shot if um disney promoted it well you know because the way it looked it looked like the aesthetics were okay in that film and you know maybe maybe it was the characterization maybe it was the actor maybe the actor couldn't emote well or maybe i mean the lady was kind of cute though she had my attention see what i'm saying (laughs) but i don't mean it in that kind of way but you know what i'm saying everybody else and everything you know, the landscape of Mars, like, if you look at it, that film is actually beautiful to look at. It's just the way, I guess, the character was acting. But then, you know, the one that's really held to a high pedestal of things, like Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings really cemented the sordid sorcery genre in all mediums. Like, I don't care what some people say about the movies. Some people say the movies went in a whole different way other than the books, or the books are always better. Like, you know, at the end of the day, it's okay to like both sources of the medium. You were exposed one way or another to it. And 
I don't care how much of a purist you are. You could be this, you could be that, you could be anything you want to be. But still, you know, like those movies, like Lord of the Rings was great. But then you look further, further down the spectrum and then you see Conan the Barbarian. Conan the Barbarian, one of the greatest literary heroes ever made. You know what I mean? Robert E. Howard sure had it all figured out with him. Not to mention Call the Conqueror, which um, Kevin Sorbo did an excellent job on. And you see, sword and sorcery has always been around us. And the best part of those characters are, you know, they're flawed. Every single one of them are. They go through stuff and probably have to work a mundane sort of job just to get a little, little pity amount of gold or silver, depending on the circumstances, just trying to live and survive or, you know what I'm saying? Like Conan was a, was a thief, slave, warrior, king, gladiator, and you know, not exactly in that order, but still, you know, like it's, it's very in a high regard, especially the first one. Conan the Barbarian came out in 1982, featured a young Arnold Schwarzenegger in there. Granted, you know, his accent was so thick at the time, you really couldn't understand what he was saying much, but it's the way his acting was in that movie, along with the supporting characters involved, because it had elements of Seven Samurai in there, which was, um, not really sorcery too much. But it had the sword aspect behind it. Uh, by the way, one of the Song of the Night articles just went live not too long ago. I brought that back last night. But going back into what I was saying about these movies, like a lot of people did love Conan the Barbarian, but they hated Conan the Destroyer. And I, and I always wondered why. Because, I mean, I guess because of the lighter tone. Like, if you look at them back to back, like, you can tell both are just remarkable examples of 80s filmmaking. But not only that. Not only that, they took you on great adventures. Except for like in the second one where it was the princess, maybe, maybe, maybe Olivia Diablo being the young princess that whined all the time. You know, maybe a lot of people didn't care for that much or how she got captured one minute or like the villains are poorly defined. Maybe like, you know, Dagmar was actually uh, not exactly a beautiful demigod that she had to be sacrificed to. You know, I mean, maybe it's that, but for me, I, I thought it was all entertaining. Like, you know, the first one, though, you got to know Conan, and you were hoping that Conan would would avenge his family that he lost. And, you know, he's a, the last of his kind. And then eventually he will find a beautiful woman with the most gorgeous set of TNA I've ever seen uh, named um, Valeria. And, you know, after a while, they would work together and try to bring down tussle of doom of course you know at the end of the day she only said like seven things to him she didn't really say everything else so pretty much the characterization is the way they emote it to each other but then like you know tragedy would befall him again when tussle of doom played by james earl jones leader of a snake cult by the way fired a snake arrow into her and killed her instantly with the venom so yeah that, that that was tragic whereas in the second one they kind of made little nods here and there to it but you see this time conan isn't working with the same group that he was working with in the first one per se he was working with um well he did work with uh mako again like mako was the only reoccurring person in both films other than arnold himself but then you look at like um but then you look at well, there was something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you look at, like, um, the lighter tone in the second one. Uh, Malik was a pretty good, you know, thief character. 
but he wasn't on the same level as Arnold's first side character in the first one. You know what I'm saying? But you don't want to tell the same story again in a sequel anyway. I think I covered that in the, in a sequelitis episode. You want things to change. Like the, the lesson they learned from the last one should be at the basis of this one, but going over time that you got to raise the stakes up. And in some areas they didn't really raise the stakes up in the second one. But I still think it was a decent movie. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not here to redeem the Conan films. Those things are, you know, marks of their time. And they were enjoyable anyway. So, you know, anytime you want to sit back and you look at them and, you know, you just laugh. I mean, there's some people out there that will say, Oh, this is sexist material. It just doesn't fit in today's culture. Actually, it does. You don't even fit in today's culture with the sense that you make. You hold yourself back. Everybody's offensive. Everything is wrong. Every yada, yada, yada. And every time you try to fix it, you cause more destruction than a little bit. A lot of y'all need to start looking in the mirror at yourselves. For real. Like, I'm not perfect, but I already know that and I accept it. And as I go through the days here and there, and since I'm the hero of my story and y'all are trying to make me out the villain, fine, I'll be the villain in your stories, but I'll still carry on doing what I need to do, regardless what. You see what I'm saying? In other words, I don't give a rat's ass. But going back into, you know, but going back into the movies, it's like when you look at these films, look at them with, you know, a grain of salt. Just say, okay, well, I see how the sword and sorcery used to go. A long time ago, it used to be different. It was, um, God, it was, what, sword and sandals at one time? All those Sinbad movies that came out, along with the Hercules movies? I mean... Granted, give or take, there were plenty of women in scandally clad clothing that were kidnapped a lot. But, you know, there were times where they would trick the villain, too. And then they would actually do a lot more than getting kidnapped. Sometimes getting captured and kidnapped is great. Because if James Bond will teach you one thing, which, to bring in another genre, sometimes that's how you find out what the villain's up to. Basically, that's how you gather intelligence by allowing yourself to get captured. And it happens a lot. Even the most toughest hero can get caught catty-cornered in some way. But sometimes a villain is no more than a shadow of a hero itself who will pretty much be their undoing because they have such a hubris to get over. You see what I'm saying? And some of them use their ego against them, which is what Conan did to Tussle of Doom. And in the second one... uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second one, the statue came to life after the horn was placed on it, and uh, well, he did kill it with the um, with the sword and the axe. Eh, eh, you know, like I said, if you compare like both of them like that, it's like night and day. But they're still pretty good continuation stories, and there was going to be a third Conan film, but you know, production just didn't happen. And in a way, there was kind of a uh, pseudo pseudo sequel called uh red sonia which by the way you know due to reasons they couldn't get the conan name but arnold's in that movie and you can tell he just he's pretty much conan by just a different name calador i guess now red sonia's movie that movie was awful no no offense to bridget nielsen i mean like i thought she was attractive in her time but god that movie just man that movie was like if you took conan destroyer's campiness and cheesiness and you raised it by at least you know five to ten percent it's just unwatchable but if you go a little bit further than there you pretty much got the movie i'm talking about right now 
I mean, at first it started off as brutal as can be, because, you know, if you know the story about Red Sonja and what she goes through to become one of the most badass female heroes ever, you, you know, and, and that was in the movie, but it's just somewhere along the along the second act, it kind of lost its way. And it was to the point where I couldn't redeem it. But as usual, the going rule of a J-Man show episode, especially when I'm talking about movies, you should just watch it once. Go ahead and do yourself a favor and watch it one time and then get back to me on it. Like, send me an email, j360productions at outlook.com or hit me up on the hotline, 240-903-1634. And, you know, let me know what your experience was because if you do, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll play it on the show and then I'll go ahead and I'll respond to you on it. But, yeah, it's just one of the movies you should watch. But there's a lot of Conan ripoffs and a lot of movies that you can tell that didn't even try. Like, back in the day, there was one called Ator. And then, you know, there was another one called uh, Wizards of the Lost Kingdom, which Mystery Science Theater already made fun of it. You know, you, you might as well watch that episode. But still, it's like the characters didn't go anywhere. And you can see how bland it was. It was pretty much just try to take the sword and sorcery genre, but paint by numbers, be formulistic with it as possible. And that movie is notorious for it. And then there were some that just made fun of it in general, like um, Troma Films' Wizards of the Dark Sword. <laughs> it's neither good nor bad when it comes to Troma Films, okay? You either watch it because you like to be entertained, or you just watch it because it's late in the mo- it's late at night, early in the morning, and you don't know what the hell you're doing up at this hour. So you either watch infomercials or you watch a trauma film. And shout out to Lloyd Kaufman for creating trauma, because I love trauma films, especially if I'm up that early. It's it's like you know, wow. And I mean, I could say the same thing for a full moon production too, which is why like any movies produced by them. You know, I don't know if I'll ever redeem them because they're enjoyable for either one reason or all the wrong reasons. So they're exempt. But um, moving forward, though, like, and then, like, Darkstalker. No, 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 not Darkstalker, <laughs> which, by the way, we need a new video game. Deathstalker. Yeah, 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 Deathstalker. That series was made by Roger Corman, and you can tell where I'm going with this if you know Roger Corman's work. Even though the man did create Death Race 2000, the Deathstalker movies were interesting because, well, half the time they were just like multiple mini-stories in one. And it really depends on the main character of Deathstalker as, you know, somebody who can either A, speak English, or B, tries not to speak English, or isn't even the same actor in the same film. It could be anybody it wants to be at that point. You can tell that this is definitely low budget. And then when you sit there and you watch the movie, you're like, what, 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 where did this line up at? Because there's moments where, like, the one that Mystery Science Theater made fun of, it was a third in a set of four films. And there is little to no continuity even within the movie. Because there are moments where he's outsmarting the villains. And there's moments where the villains are like, I don't really want to go after this orb anymore. You just go do what you got to do. You just sneak through my castle. um, You know, chain my girlfriend to a wall. And go save your love interest. Even though she doesn't want to be your love interest. She was going to marry me. And... I, I wish I could make all this up, but it was—it actually happened in the movie. Like the main love interest, I, I guess we can just call her Princess Horseface, 
she did not care for him, but she kept acting like she never met him before in every subsequent scene they were in. And he, on the other hand, he's such a jerk ass. He'll go ahead and say, look, I never killed your sister. You, you, how do you know my sister? She says, and this is like the fifth time. And then she knocks him out, betrays him to the villain. Villain has him at his mercy. And then somehow he still escapes. Of course, though, as he kills the villain, the villain is played by the same guy who was actually in Wizards of the Lost Kingdom. And, you know, much like Samuel L. Jackson, he doesn't die. He just gets transported to another universe. You know what I'm saying? And pretty much that, pretty much once you watch a lot of these films in sequence, you'll start noticing the same characters being portrayed by the same people because that's what they like to do. They like to portray those characters. I'm not going to say his acting skills were bad. I'm just going to say, you know, he's more menacing as a villain when he gets a better script. You know what I'm saying? But then we move forward from that script and then we go into like a whole different movie in general because, I mean, sometimes the script that you write doesn't become the script you produce, which is the basis of another episode. And when it gets right down to it, you know, oh, them A-Tour films were stupid. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm glad that I've only watched one because at least with that franchise, one is all you need to watch because he is such a dumb hero. Like, you know, his his wife, I mean, at first, okay, him and his wife, his wife was his sister at the time, then some point in the movie they later changed her into an adoptive sister and then some it's still kind of kind of weird but she gets kidnapped too and then the thing about her is she doesn't really have any character development so you don't really care that she gets captured anyway so it's like wow why am i even watching this film again well i'm gonna tell you why i would watch a film like that right because i'm invested if I see like a train wreck going on, I have to see it to the bloody carnage. I have to see it all in. And needless to say, when it ended, Ator got betrayed by his mentor who pretty much was orchestrating the whole thing and destroyed his previous family and then carried on to destroy his adopted family. But the thing is, he's so bad at taking out Ator that he never could kill Ator or even give Ator a struggle. And that's what's so sad about some of these movies that we watch, right? You know, you want to see that big conflict happen between the villain and the hero. It's kind of like me standing up to those would-be people that run the job that I work at, you know? It happens, and it's going to happen to a greater degree as I get my skills and I get where I need to be and I make money doing what I love. But this is pretty much where you got that whole battle sequence and it's right there with all the setups, but it never happens. That's how bad that Ator movie was. But if you want another low-key 80s movie that was pretty successful, though, and it was called another low-key 80s fantasy movie that was successful, it was called The Beastmaster. Not Beastmaster 2, but The Beastmaster. You should definitely check out Beastmaster. And Beastmaster is one of those movies that, you know, it's either you're in the cult franchise or you're not. And it wasn't, like, so bad it's good. It was just, you know, it came out during a time where people were starting to shy away from sword and sorcery entirely. But it was, 
you know, like Dar as the main guy who could control beasts that would work for him. You know what I'm saying? To go ahead and topple down an evil king. You'll love those two hours. But there is a moment in there with this creepy ring with an eye that was spying on Dar and company. And then it does get stabbed in the end. But God, that thing is creepy. And once you see it, it cannot be unseen. But like, you know, you should definitely check them out. Like, there is one called uh, Beastmaster 2 where um, Dar and his long lost brother were fighting. And there was a portal that would take them to modern day Los Angeles. It, it was... It's one of the movies that you just need to watch at least once. I mean, it, it's so it's so cheesy. It's just like, okay, we're not even trying at this point. And then there is a Beastmaster 3, which is a return to form. But it's like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to fool with this one. You know what I'm saying? Because you already got tired of two. But as, as per the rules around here, you should watch it at least once. And then, like, you know, I'm not going to cover all sword and sorcery in one episode. I mean, I am going to touch base on this genre again. But, like I said before, it's like, you know, sometimes that franchise is in other ways. And it's going to grow into something again. Soon enough, we'll never get enough of it. I plan on making more movies that deal with such a, you know, subject. Matter of fact, I got one sitting around here that I really need to dust off and rewrite again. I mean, chances are it's probably full of crazy stuff because I was like 14 when I wrote. But, you know, I might as well just go ahead and turn it into a screenplay. Because, I mean, as a short story, it's not going to do so hot. But, you know, this is one of them kind of things. And then as I try to attribute things to real life, aren't we all on a quest to become better people, professionals in our field, and to get the hell away from living paycheck to paycheck and working on the minimum wage? I mean, think about it. We're all trying to get where we need to be. And it's going to be the toughest, hardest ordeal ever, but we have to all keep fighting. And that's why I always look at like Sword and Sorcery as an escape, you know? Because each and every single one of those characters that we follow in there, we might not like them, but we want to see where their quest goes. And that's what it's all about. We're all going somewhere. But, till then, you know, this is episode 98, and that's a wrap from me. So I hope all of you um, take care of yourselves until next time, because guess what? We are at least one episode away from hitting the big one zero zero. And for those of you that want to do a shout out or, you know, say that you love the show, send me some emails or whatever. Well, you know, you can always email me J360 Productions at Outlook.com or you can go ahead and drop some voicemails on the hotline, which is 240-903-1634. And that's it I have for today. So I want you all to take it easy. This is the J-Man signing off. Peace. Peace.